Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 117 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. So right, this show here again, there's not much on. So uh, usually we'd start with the review in. We'd talk about the fights from last week. There wasn't much on. We're going to just skim through that really quickly. Um, I'm going to start with a reviewing. I think there was only one fight or two fights just to mention last week. Um, a little bit of an upset, I suppose, in many ways. Over in Denmark, Lalenga Mock, former um, former opponent of David Hay. I remember he put David Hay down once upon a time. He's 45 years old. He's now, um, this was his, his 50, 55th odd fight. He took on a guy who we all know quite well, Dmitry Chudinov. That's the brother of... Fedor, that's it, yeah. He's the guy that obviously Groves beat, and this guy, Dimitri, that's the one that Chris Eubank Jr. beat. Well, anyway, he lost to a 45-year-old Lalenga Mock in Copenhagen. It was a unanimous decision over 10 rounds, so I think Dimitri Chudnov, I think really and truly that's the now in his coffin, so to speak. I don't mean that he's not, you know, he's not, um, you know, a, a solid fighter. What I mean by that is I don't think he's going to be any kind of future world champion. Definitely Fedor Chudnov is the more... Uh, you know, the more gifted of the two. Um, moving over now to one fight that happened over in Accra in Ghana. Um, one guy to mention over here, Isaac Dogbo. He moved to 18-0. and 0. He also picked up the interim WBO World Super Bantamweight title against Cesar Juarez, who was 20-5. and 5. Um, it's a fight I haven't seen, I've got to be completely honest, it's just one that I'm going to throw out there, it was a TKO in round 5, I know that um, Juarez was down in the second round as well, um, you know, I've heard a lot about this Isaac Dogbo guy, I think that he's a guy that came over here, he was over here for quite a while, um, you know, he, he couldn't seem to get any any promoter interested in him I think he's you know he's he's had many spars in in various different gyms and always put a good account of himself in and for whatever reason I don't know if it was markability or something like that he just wasn't able to crack it over here so he's gone back to Ghana now and you know he's really showing his class so all the very best to Isaac Dogba I think he's one of those guys with that kind of little bit of a fairy tale background so I'm always all for somebody doing well who's you know who's been through some uh, you know some some hardship in in their life coming up as a pro now that's it for the reviewing so like i said there's not too much really to go over um we're, we're not going to sit here and discuss other things because you know we'd just be we'd just be waffling on and the last couple of weeks i suppose we have done that in many ways there's not too much to talk about there's not too much juicy stuff to mention what i will do is is just mention one thing though before we welcome our very first guest and that is uh, we we asked a question on Twitter, and the question that we asked is, uh, well, really, we just asked, has anybody got any questions for the pod? Because of course, there you know there wasn't too much going on. And one of our favourite listeners, one of our uh, main men from day one, I suppose you can say, at Ricey underscore SUFC, sends in a question here: Do you think Frank Warren being with BT Sports now, uh, do you think that the promotional rivalry will cause more fights to not happen? Mainly aimed at, of course, the Matchroom fighters, which you know he's basically saying here, this this link up with. BT Sport, do you believe that the fights will be further apart from happening now between Matchroom and Frank Warren's stable? I'm going to come to you in a moment, Ayers, for your opinion on this. It's funny, isn't it? Because I think that Matchroom was certainly leading the way in terms of putting on the better cards. I don't really want to say better in terms of 50-50 fights. I mean that their cards were definitely viewed by more casual fans. Box Nation's really a channel for hardcores. That's what I call it. So for me, I think they always had a bit of a smaller audience Um you know, Box Nation and Frank Warren. Now that they're with BT, obviously there's a lot more money in the, you know, in the jar if you like, and you know the promotions and the productions are much bigger than what they were previously. However, it can go two ways. Sometimes, you know, certain fights where there's one promoter doing better than the other, you know, one promoter sometimes can be like, okay, 
I'll let my guy fight on your bill. We'll get you'll get more exposure. But then when that promoter, and I'm talking about Frank Warren here, when he comes into some money on a big deal like this, he now may have had a little bit of an inflatement to his ego. He might be saying, hang on a minute now, we've got a bigger audience than, than Sky have now. I'm not quite sure on the numbers, to be honest, but Frank Warren... Um, I think at this stage, I, I like those fights because, of course, we all know that Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren have got the best fighters in the UK. But, I mean, right now, there, there's a couple fights I'd like to see, but there's not so many. I'm enjoying what both guys are doing at the moment. But in answer to the actual question itself, I think it could go either way. It could be a fact where Frank Warren's now got a little bit too big for his boots. But saying that, the way I've always seen it, it always seems like Frank Warren's the guy that you know, wants to wants to really make the fights, you know, between himself and Eddie Hearn's fighters. It seems like he's always the one, especially when he comes across in interviews anyway, he always seems to be the guy that wants to wants to really do those fights a little bit more than Eddie Hearn. You know, he seems like he's you know, he's got much more desire to make those fights than Eddie Hearn has. However, saying that, Eddie Hearn's gone and, you know, let a few of his guys go and fight on on, on, uh, on Box Nation cards, on Frank Warren's shows, and vice versa. But yeah, I think that Frank Warren's probably the guy that will be uh, moving the goalposts a little bit more to make it happen than, than Eddie Hearn would be. That's just my opinion. Could be completely wrong. Ayers, what's your thoughts on that? This this link-up, obviously, with BT, we're enjoying it so far. It's really working well for Frank, of course, and his, his wonderful stable of fighters. But does it make the big fights between himself and Eddie Hearn harder to make or easier to make? What's your opinion? Um, that's a very tough one. It's business at boxing. It goes back to business at the end of the day. Now, you look at it, uh, Eddie Hearn's got a matchroom. At matchroom has got a deal with Sky Sports. Frank Warren's got a deal with BT and Box Nation. Now, if you look at, for example, Zolani Tete, he's the champion at Bantamweight, right? Frank Warren's always stated that he wants Zolani Tete to fight Ryan Bennett, Anthony Yard to fight Frank Bullioni. Is business at the end of the day? Is it really going to happen? I'm not too sure about that. I think it's a very, very difficult one. But at the end of the day, whatever it is, money, boxing is all about money. And if the right price comes, then it could happen. Yeah, I think you're, you've nailed that pretty much. It's, yeah, you've, you've said it in less words than me. So, well done, Ayaz. Um, Yeah, that really wraps up part one. Like I say, we're not going to rabbit on too much this week. We've got a very special guest coming up in just a second. So it's now time to welcome him. So that really wraps up the, the reviewing and the little discussion there. It's now time to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated freeweight world champion, Mr. Mikey Garcia. Mikey, welcome to the show. Hello, Joey. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, everything's great here, so pretty pretty excited for, for the upcoming fight. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's talk about that in just a moment. So, Mikey, we last spoke just before your last fight, which, as we know, was against Adrian Broner. Some people believed that that fight would be a close one. I told you a few times in the build-up that you'd absolutely dominate him. That's what I believed would happen, and that is basically what happened, in my opinion. Talk us through that fight just quickly, Mikey. How did you rate your performance? Well, I think we had a very good performance. Uh, we had a very good game plan. Uh game plan was to uh, be smart, um, fight a smart intelligent fight we knew he's a strong big uh man naturally bigger than me so we can't rely on just power we had to fight smart um work combinations work on on the body work in combinations and keep the punch volume uh high and that's what we did for for most of the night and then in the last few rounds we decided to box a little bit on the outside let him come in but i still kept the punch count high and we were able to be very successful. We beat him with timing, with speed, and, and intelligence. And I was going to ask you also, Broner seemed to come back in the later part of the fight. Did you tire a little bit? Did he adjust? Did you change your strategy because you were so far ahead? Why was he able to win some of those later rounds, Mikey? The, I think it was like the, after the eighth or ninth round that uh, my brother uh, and I, we, we felt that Broner would come out very strong, try to finish strong, try to change something because, you know, we were winning... The, the fight, uh, he was desperate. So he was going to come a little more aggressive. So we decided to change a little bit of the, of the game plan, a little bit of the, the strategy by boxing on the outside, but still keeping the punch count high. And even though he was coming in, trying to look and close the gap, I was always boxing combinations, keeping keeping him at a, at a distance where I'm still punching and he's still not landing that much. So it was just part of, of uh, making adjustments. 
uh, he was making adjustments himself. I had to make adjustments as well. And the final question on that Broner fight, you know, a lot of people talk about Broner's power, Mikey. What was his power like at 140? Well, I definitely felt the uh, size advantage that he had over me. He felt the weight. I did feel, you know, that he had power because the times that he did exchange and I blocked him those punches, you could just feel the heaviness of the punch. But uh, at no point did he connect with anything that, that could have significantly you know, hurt me or anything like that. So I was able to be you know, smart about it and not get caught with anything like that. Excellent, excellent. And just before we move on, I just want to let you know that we did like a thing a couple of weeks ago on this show. We was asking all the listeners what they thought was their favourite knockout of 2017. I just wanted to let you know that a lot of people went with your knockout uh, earlier on in the year against Zlatichanin. So uh, just wanted to let you know that the, uh, oh, the listeners the listeners liked that. Also, um, speaking of 140, as we know now, you're about to challenge for another world title. This one being the IBF Super Lightweight World Title. Should you win this? Title, title Mikey it will mean that you become a four weight world champion however the man that wants to put a stop to that wonderful achievement is the current champion Sergei Lipinets. Sergei Lipinets is a solid fighter he's an unbeaten fighter but he's only just won the title it's going to be his first defense here some people say that Lipinets isn't that good but if you look at his record it, you know it's clear to see to me anyway that he's beaten some good fighters maybe not big name fighters but he's knocked people out that big name fighters went the distance with so tell me Mikey what do you know about this guy well, he, he's uh, a new champion, of course, and, uh, you know, with, to become champion in, in only his 13th fight tells you he's no uh, no slouch. He, he's no, you know, walk in the park. He's definitely talented. He's got power. He's he, He's got skills, or else he wouldn't be there. And, um, you know, from what I've seen, like I said, you know, I know I'm fighting bigger men at 140 because I still don't feel that's a natural division, but um, I'm fighting at 140 this fight as well, and, you know, I gotta be smart. I gotta, I, I gotta be careful not to get caught. Very similar to to Adrian Broner, you know, where I'm fighting the bigger man. But I think, I think I have a better speed, and and his his timing and speed is not quite where Broner's was. So that will allow me to have more success and 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 be able to land more combinations. I think it'll be a, a very good fight. I think it'll be a good fight because he's not gonna go down easy. He's not gonna, you know, relinquish that belt easy. He wants to keep that. He wants to beat me and, and take my place. So that's what makes it, you know, an interesting fight and a good fight. And having that fight against Broner, obviously, at 140, do you think that that did you a little bit of a favor trying out that weight against a solid fighter before challenging for a world title? Yes, of course. And that's why we, t- we took on Adrian Broner at 140, because I wanted to get a, a good feel, you know, from a, from a top, you know, world champion like Adrian Broner. Um, you know, get a feel at 140, the size, the strength, the speed. And Adrian Broner honestly does have, you know, great speed, great footwork. Uh, he does have good power. So that was a solid test for me at 140, and I feel comfortable enough competing at 140. Um, and even though I still feel, like I said, you know, well, lightweight is a more natural fit for me, but I, I feel, you know, well enough to be, to be fighting at 140 pounds. And obviously, there's nothing that I can tell you about boxing that you don't already know. So I know that you wouldn't overlook Lipanets here. But have you got any idea at this stage what would happen should you win this fight? Would you perhaps go back down to lightweight? Would you stay at 140? Or do you not really know until the fight's over? Well, I, I still have plans to coming down to 135 and unify the title with Jorge Linares. We, uh, we just uh, got news recently you know, from the WBC that they are ordering me and Linares to fight each other. And that's, I'm, I'm very, very comfortable with that. We actually were in talks a few months back with Golden Boy in regards to a potential fight with Linares. And I think that's a fight that everybody wants to see at lightweight. So we want to give them that fight. I think after this fight, if everything goes well, I'm definitely coming down to 35 for that for that fight. Excellent, because that was going to be my, my next question. I was going to say, obviously, the WBC have ordered that fight. Does that kind of put any pressure on you? I know that they don't dictate what you do, but you know, does that put some added pressure that you've got to deliver that fight, or not really? Or is it just a fight? Not really, anyway? because well, it's it's the fight that we wanted. It's the fight that I wanted, um, and we were in discussions with Golden Boy a few months back, um, trying to secure a Linares fight. Um, but even Golden Boy and myself agreed that. You know, a fight like that should be on a on a grand stage and and you know a premium you know fight and a fight like that in January would not make as much sense because people are 
are coming after the holidays and they might not be, uh, you know, able to spend the money for tickets and it might not be so well and we may not do so well in tickets and sales and it just it just doesn't create the, the purse that Linares and I both deserve. So we both opted to wait and take a fight in between and maybe we get the fight, you know, early in the summer. And now that the WBC is ordering it, well, that, that makes perfect sense for me because we definitely want that the fight with Linares. And obviously, Mikey, people that know you know that you're you're a very humble guy. You you know you tend to kind of fly under the radar a little bit in terms of your personality. You don't really get involved in any crazy stuff. But one thing you did say that was a little bit crazy for you was you know you you offered uh, Miguel Cotto to fight at one fifty four. Was that serious or was that just a little bit of tongue in cheek? What was your views on that one? No, we were serious. I definitely was serious. We sat with Golden Boy several times and. With uh, with people at Golden Boy, we were in discussions. I was very serious of moving up to 154 for Cotto. Um, I won't do it for anybody else, honestly. It, it, it's not a division that I even feel I, I'm ready to be, you know, competing with with the other champions. But being that it was Miguel Cotto, the name, the weight that he holds, you know, as far as the, the accomplishments and you know, the future Hall of Famer, the opportunity to be in the ring with him was was exciting enough for me to uh, make that proposal. Um, However, when when Golden Boy, you know, asked for a few options on me and then and a couple other fights, and it just I just didn't want to have any any you know multiple fight agreements with Golden Boy. I wanted that one fight, and that's it. They wanted multiple fights, a total of five fights. Um, I countered them with three fights. I asked them, give me three fights, give me Cotto, give me Linares, and I'll give you guys one more. But they said they couldn't do that. They they weren't able to do three fights. And that's what, you know, caused the fight to, to not not happen with Miguel. But I was willing to do it. Yeah, it's a strange situation. A lot of boxers obviously want these big four or five fight deals. But when you're so good at a certain level, you know, you don't really want to be tied into a five, yeah. five fight contract. It's a funny situation in boxing. Now, Mikey, if you win this fight, you'd have had... Uh, you'd have had three of the four major belts. You'd have had the WBO twice. You'd have had the WBC at lightweight. And now, you know, if, if you win this, you get the IBF. So I just want to ask, when are you going to try and get the WBA? Maybe 147? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think the WBA would uh, would come with Linares. Linares holds the WBA oh, yeah. at 135. So I might be able to pick up that one uh, later this year. <laughs> And obviously, if you win this fight, you will become 38-0. and 0. And I know that you're very modest. I know that you're very humble. But, you know, when you look at that, a 38-0 winning streak, that means you will be leveled, like, you know, drawing in second place with Deontay Wilder out of all the current fighters that are active at the moment. There's a guy that I believe is a minimum weight world champion. He's 49-0. and 0, And I think, you know, he's had loads of fights against people that we don't really know. Mm-hmm. But to be 38-0, and 0, Mikey, do you ever just... I know you're very humble, but do you ever look in the mirror and say, man, I'm, I'm a good, good fighter. I'm a beast. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't really look at the, at the number of, of wins and records. and I'm not chasing any, any record either. So that's not something that that uh, that stands out for me. I think uh, the uh, the important thing is uh, just the the fighters that that you're fighting against, the the champions you're 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 fighting, the titles you you're winning. I think that's that's more of the record. You know, I could I could rack up you know multiple wins against you know good decent challengers, but that's not what I want. I want to fight champions. I want to take titles away from champions. I don't even really want to. I don't really want to get a vacant title. I want to take a title from a champion, you know. And that's 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 what I'm after. And uh, 38 is great. 39 might be better than 40, 45, and no might be great. But you know, uh, I don't want to be just winning fights just to pile up wins. I want to win fights that mean something. That are championship fights. That are are, are fights that the fans can really appreciate. And it's good to do both at the same time, though, Mikey, isn't it? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Coming down to the last couple of questions, I just want to mention this. There's a guy right now at 140 from the UK. He's really making a lot of noise over here. Have you heard of a guy called Josh Taylor at all, Mikey? It's fine if you haven't. Uh, not, not really. Sorry, but okay. not, I haven't really no heard. Basically, he just became the first man to stop Miguel Vasquez. So, and I think he's only had oh, about wow. 11 okay, fights. Okay, yeah, I know. 
Yeah, I think yeah. he's only had about okay. 11, 12 fights. So look out for look out for Josh Taylor at one forty. And finally, Josh Mikey, Taylor. Josh Taylor. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a that big southpaw. He's a big southpaw. Finally, okay, okay. Finally, Mikey, I always give you the chance to send a lovely message to your UK fans. So I'm going to do it once again. What's your message to the listeners over here, the fans that you've got? Well, just uh, really appreciate all the love and support. I told you guys I'd be back. Now that I am back, I'm delivering great fights. Make sure you guys watch. You know, February the 10th, because it's going to be another night of, of boxing. And uh, I hope to come out there soon. I hope to come out there and maybe give you guys a fight out there. Um, you just mentioned uh, Josh Taylor. Maybe we come down there and do something with him. So <laughs> stay, stay excited for something like that. Okay, listen, Mikey, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. You know that. Thank you for your time today. Best of luck for February the 10th, and we'll catch up sometime after. Well, thank you very much, Jerry. Thanks. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part is usually the preview part. There's one fight to go over, I think, in all honesty. Just one fight. It's happening. Um, it's going to be happening tomorrow night. It's now Thursday, which is Thursday the 11th of Jan. Just looking at the date. By the time you listen to this, it, you know the fight may have already happened. But anyway, Friday, tomorrow night at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York, USA. Uh, it's going to be shown on Showtime and on this very bill. Clarissa Shields, she defends her IBF and WBC um, world female super middleweight titles against Tori Nelson, who is, you know, one of the bigger names, I suppose, in the female side of boxing. She's 17-0 and 0 with three draws. Um you know, it's, it's going to be a 10, two-minute round contest there. Obviously, Carissa Shields at the moment is absolutely running, really, through this through this, through this this boxing game. And nobody seems to be able to keep up with her at her weight class yet. So, yeah, I think she, you know, she's, she's a fantastic fighter. She really is. Only losing one fight in her whole life, amateur and pro. I mean, and to pick up the belts that she has done so quickly, she certainly is a credit to the sport. She's, you know, she's arguably the biggest name in, in the female side of boxing um, out of all the current boxers of course so uh, so credit to Showtime especially for for, for televising this event here uh, just before we move on we will talk about the latest news Ayers I know that that's your part of course doing the news there's been many many fights that have actually came to fruition this week obviously there were many many rumours floating around but we've actually had some really big announcements so take it away Ayers what have we got the news has just come in now WBC heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder has been sentenced to 60 hours of community service for marijuana possession. Wow, I don't think that's the first time he's been caught with something, or did he previously get caught with something like a gun in his car or something like that? I don't really know what he gets up to outside the ring, Deontay Wilder. I think he's a guy that really keeps himself to himself most of the time, especially, uh, you know, off camera and stuff like that. But, you know, he's a likeable guy, and... I mean, I don't know what's going to happen here. I mean, I don't know how they look at this thing, you know, over in the US. And obviously, it's not as serious as a drug of cocaine and stuff like that. But obviously, the heavyweight world champion shouldn't be doing those things as he's supposed to live his life like a role model. People look up to him. People want to be, you know, a heavyweight world champion when they grow up. And yeah, he shouldn't really be doing those things. So a little bit silly on his part. But unfortunately, uh, you know, he's made a couple of these mistakes before. But yeah, he is... He's a brilliant fighter, and hopefully his fight, I think it's now been finalised. I'm not 100% sure, but we do want to see him in the ring, um, you know, obviously without those those kind of substances in his system. The big news is Amir Khan has signed a free-fight deal with Matchroom Boxing and will feature on the Echo Arena at, at Liverpool on April 21st. Yeah, I mean, it would come as a big shock. There was news floating around that Amir Khan would be signing a fight with Adrian Broner. We all thought that would happen. Then there was rumours about him signing with Matram. You was actually the first person to tell me that, Ayaz. Um, when I first heard it, I thought, nah, you know, it's, it's just a rumour. There's no way he's going to sign with Matram. Obviously, he's got a bit of previous with Eddie Hearn. Kel Brooks there as well. Amir Khan's such a big star on his own anyway. Without the boost from I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. I didn't really think that he'd need to sign with a promoter and start giving away percentages of his purse and stuff like that to a promoter. So I'm a little bit surprised by that. I mean... You know, Amir Khan does a lot of charitable work and stuff like that, and I really credit him. He's a really nice guy outside the ring, and in, well, I say inside the ring. You can't really be a, a nice guy inside the ring, <laughs> but yeah, and he's a, he's a good guy, and um, 
you know, when he actually says, I want to fight in the UK for the fans, you have to kind of half believe him because he really went away and, and made a name for himself in, you know, in a different continent. He had all those big fights in Las Vegas. And, you know, he's he's definitely one of our most, def- definitely one of our flagship British boxers in the last, I don't know, the last probably last 20 years or something really I mean I'm not saying that he's beaten all these fantastic fighters but his resume and I've said it many many times he's got the best resume of any current fighter probably in the world I mean if you take out Floyd Mayweather maybe Manny Pacquiao he's arguably got the you know the best resume I'm not saying he's beat these guys in in devastating fashion but he has fought world champion after world champion legend after legend and hall of famer after hall of famer let's be honest so yeah credit to Amir Khan I do want to see him back over here I know that Liverpool's a very hard sell, so I can't quite understand the logic behind that. He's obviously going to be, um, you know, headlining that bill. He is a pay-per-view fighter, and it's not going to be on pay-per-view, I don't think. So I'm interested to see what opponent they're going to bring in, and I just don't really know why it's happening in Liverpool. It doesn't make much sense to me, but um, the whole thing's come as a bit of a shock, but I'm happy, because like I say, I do want to see him active, and um, it's, it's a free fight deal, was it, Ayaz, did you say? That's correct. Yeah, free fight deal. So there's going to be, you know, a few fights involved in, in this contract. So no, it will be good. It will be good. I'm really excited for it. I just want to see him in there with some decent, some decent level guys. And just let me just jump in, Ayaz, with with one little thing here. Um, and I just quickly want you to quickly get up box rec while I'm saying this because I want to ask you who you believe his next opponent should be in a realistic world. Obviously coming back at one four seven. So. I asked this question on Twitter. I basically said, um, who should Khan come back against? You know, in, in a realistic world and, you know, not nothing far-fetched, but obviously coming off of a knockout loss, coming off of a huge layoff now, um, you know, who do you reckon he should fight? And there was a few, a few replies that were sent in that were... Uh, you know, decent replies, a few names of people that are coming up, a few guys, you know, saying Danny Garcia, I don't think that fight really um, would be a smart move to come back into. And, you know, there's a, there's a few guys. I'm going to look at the list as well as uh, 147. Like I say, we've had a few come in. Um, if you've pulled up the list already, is there anyone that you believe he should share a, wing, a ring with in his return fight, obviously, um, in a realistic world? Um, yes, I do, actually. I said, Like I said to you before, I want him to fight Brono. Obviously, Brono's coming off a loss against Mikey Garcia. He hasn't fought since July. Um, I personally think that would be that would be I think Khan should fight him first of all it makes sense for both fighters because the thing is now it's a make or break fight for Broner if he's actually serious in fighting and for Khan it'll be a good it'll be a good fight for him so I reckon the Broner fight will be the best one for him in my opinion I mean, I like that fight, and the reason why I liked that fight is because I pretty much almost... I mean, I was telling people, yeah, it's definitely going to get announced tomorrow, and it really wasn't. So, you know, I've been teased by that a little bit, so maybe... It's a little bit the same with you, where you're, you know, you've got a bit of a higher expectance now. You know, I saw an interview with Eddie Hearn this week, and he was saying that they're looking at people like um, Josecito Lopez. That's who he said, and you know, that's obviously not a really a big, a big well-known name over here. But looking at the fighters here, I mean, I'm looking at like the top ten, top fifteen type guys, and I mean. I don't know, there's not many big names, really, that you'd chuck him in there with and it would be a smart move. Because all the top guys, obviously you've got Crawford there, you've got uh, Keith Furman, you've got Jeff Horn, Manny Pacquiao, Danny Garcia, Errol Spence, Sean Porter, Lamont Peterson. They're all a little bit dangerous to come back to those guys with that layoff and coming off of a knockout loss, like I said. But... I see a guy here on BoxRec ranked ninth, former world champion Jesse Vargas, Ayaz, and that is a name that I would not mind. I think that's a good fight. I think it's a safe fight, and I wouldn't blame him for taking on somebody like that. Obviously, a former world champion, Jesse Vargas, um, lately has kind of been a little bit in the shadows since losing to Manny Pacquiao, um, and obviously Tim Bradley a couple fights, a couple fights before that, but... He has got that one win over Saddam Ali, which really we overlooked at the time, but has proved to be quite a good win. I quite like that fight. He's coming off of a win. He fought in uh, in December, just gone. So obviously this is going to be a bit too soon just looking at that. But I think Jesse Vargas would be a quite decent level of opponent. Do you agree with that? That actually came to my mind like a minute ago. I was Before you announced that, right? Before you said that, I actually thought, yes, um, Jesse Vargas would be a good fight because he's recently come off. He's recently... 
had a 12 month, uh, the last time we saw Jesse Vargas fought, he before he fought, uh, beat Ander Herrera. Um, is it Andrew? Ander Herrera? Herrera? Ander Herrera plays for Man United. <laughs> What's this Aaron name? Herrera. Aaron, Aaron Herrera, sorry, that's it, yeah. So the last time uh, we saw Jesse Vargas fight before Andrew the Herrera. Aaron Herrera. <laughs> uh, before, okay, before Jesse Vargas fought Aaron Herrera, he last fought um, Manny Pacquiao, and that was 12 months before. So for me, it could, I personally, uh, Vargas came to my head, my, my mind, I'll still go with Brona. I think he should fight Brona. They're both coming off after losses and a very long time ring rust. Well, yeah, I mean, we we spoke to just a few moments ago, the man that Brona fought in his last fight where he lost, but, you know, it hasn't hasn't been such a long, long layoff. Obviously, Khan's been out the ring now for over 18 months, and by the time the fight rolls round, it will be a couple months shy of two years. I'll tell you who I believe they might fight, Ayaz. I, I really am serious with this. I would not be surprised if we see Khan fight somebody like uh, Thomas DeLorme. I know they've mentioned anyway. He's certainly up there. And I wouldn't be surprised if they fought somebody like... Just having a look now... I saw it a minute ago and it's just left me. I'm trying to find him again. Um, Antonio DeMarco. I would not be surprised if they made that. Antonio DeMarco is obviously a little bit of a name. Definitely, definitely had his, you know, his, his best days behind him now. But he's a bit of a name. Um, I wouldn't really be surprised if it was someone like that. There's a few other guys that are coming through. There's a Russian guy who's 32-0. and 0, But unfortunately, no one's ever heard of him. Um, there's that guy, Jamal James, who just fought. He just got a win over Diego Chavez. He's in the mix as well. There's another guy who's 13-0 and 0 here. I'm not even going to try and pronounce that name. He's from Uzbekistan. Um, there's not really any big name fighters here, really. You've got Omar Figueroa. He's still undefeated. I don't think he'd come over for the money that they're going to offer somebody. I don't know, man. When you look at these these fighters here after the top sort of ten, I think that they're all, um, you know, guys that are quite good but don't have the name, or guys that used to be good and aren't really that risky, but still. I'd like to see him fight someone better. You know, it's it's just boxing, isn't it? We always want, you know, want more than what than what uh, what's on the table, if you like. Um, but leaving that there, I sorry, let, I'll let you carry on with with, with the news. Um, Devin Alexander will face Victor Ortiz on February the seventeenth. Yes, another former opponent of Amir Khan. Um, obviously, being Devin Alexander. Yeah, Devin Alexander just returned to the ring after quite a while, quite a while out the ring. Um, you know, he came on this show. We spoke to him. It was a really good. A uh, really good interview. Really nice guy, Devon is actually. So yeah, that's a fight I'm looking forward to. You'd have to kind of say that both guys are past their their peaks, if you like. Um, that that sometimes can make for a really good time to make a fight. Victor Ortiz, to be honest, if he retired tomorrow, I really wouldn't. I really wouldn't be too bothered, to be honest. Um, Devon Alexander, I do think has got a couple of big fights left in him, maybe. So I hope he wins the fight. I certainly do, because if he loses to Ortiz, it's a really bad look. But, um, yeah, I mean, it should be a good fight. Both guys are always in decent-ish fights. You never quite know what's going to happen with Ortiz. You really don't. He's always in mad fights. And Devin Alexander, I think this is, you know, this this kind of opponent, the kind of style that Ortiz has got could perhaps bring the best out of him. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But I can see probably a dominant points win for Devin Alexander. A big announcement, another announcement in the heavyweight division is that Dinier White will face uh, Lucas Brown on March 24th. Yeah, I text Lucas about two days ago, two or three days ago, and I just said, listen, what's happening with this fight? You know, I really want it to get made, obviously. Where are we with it? And he said there should be an announcement within the next couple of days, and obviously that was what happened. Eddie Hearn announced the fight earlier today. It's a fight I'm really, really looking forward to. I think it's it's a much, much harder fight than some people are giving it, uh, giving it credit for. Rocky Fielding quote tweeted it and said, I don't think that this fight is going to go the, the full 12 rounds. I agree with that to a certain extent I think that Lucas Brown I don't think he's got the best gas tank really I think he needs to kind of put it on White early I think White hasn't really got the best gas tank either and um, especially if Lucas Brown can set a fast pace early so yeah both guys I mean Lucas Brown I probably say is the harder puncher maybe out of the two so yeah I mean it's going to be a good fight that's all I'm that's all I'm saying um you know, I feel a bit sorry for Lucas Brown. Obviously, his issues outside of the ring. If he if he is in fact innocent with all the allegations and stuff, again, he's another guy that we had on the show talking all about that. Really good interview, and um, 
I'd like to see him do well in the fight, but I, I suppose uh, who would you pick, Ayaz, at this stage? Actually, I'll go with Dillian White. I think he's. I think he's had the better opponent. Yeah, and, he has definitely. But I think Dillian White was this fight. Well, all right then. I'll ask you this question then, as I put you on the spot a little bit. Who is Dillian White's best win? Let's be honest. I mean, all right, he rocked Joshua, but he got knocked out. Apart from that fight, who else has he really beaten? I mean, Chisora is, is obviously the name that you're going to say, but that was a proper close fight. Some people gave that to Chisora. I, I wouldn't go to Chisora. I got Robert Hellenius. I think he did all right in that fight. Well, it was one of the most boring fights I've ever seen in my whole life. I mean, you know, Robert Hellenius didn't come to fight, but I suppose it's a bit of a name. But even him, I mean, he's, he's you know, his better days are way behind him. Um I don't know, man. It's it's a strange fight. I, I don't know. I, I've, I've got a feeling it could be a bit of a stinker, really. But hopefully, I'm wrong. But for me, I don't know. You know, I'm going to have a little a little look at the odds on that one when it you know when it gets closer to the to the time because I I quite find I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit on the fence with that. I, I quite fancy Brown to do the job on him. You know, that's it's a hard fight. I can't. I don't know. I just can't see. I don't know, man. That's a hard fight. That's a hard fight. I need more time to, to think about that one. Sorry, Ayers, for waffling on once again. Go on, carry on with the news. Robert Davies Jr. will face Sirotka in a rematch. Yeah, obviously, Robbie Davies Jr. came up against uh, the, the Polish international, Sirotka, in... in uh, I'm not sure if it was his last fight or the one before that, but yeah. Robbie Davies is a nice guy. Um, I think he was probably winning that fight, I think, outboxing Sirotka, and then he ended up getting caught. Sirotka, a bit of a puncher, if I'm not mistaken. Can't remember his resume now. Um, I remember we had Robbie Davies on the show just before that fight, and I knew everything about Sarah Watker at the time, but I've completely forgotten it now. Um, you know, he didn't really need to go and have this rematch, to be honest. I think he's trying to prove a point here, and you've got to give him massive credit for trying to do that. He's got huge balls. Um, obviously, Robbie Davies Jr. losing his father recently as well outside of the ring. It hasn't really been a good time for him. Um, you know, that was all... That was all surrounding that kind of fight as well. His father was ill for quite a long time. So I wish Robbie Davies Jr. all the very best. I hope he can beat this guy here and kind of put that little chapter to bed if you like. But yeah, all, all credit to Robbie Davies Jr., Neil Marsh and the rest of the team on that one. Okay, and finally, Carl Frampton will face four-weight world champion Nonita Donaire on Saturday the 21st of April at SEC Arena in Belfast. Yes, obviously, you know, Carl Frampton... Uh, recently signing with Frank Warren, and you'd imagine he would be in line to face the winner of Selby and Warrington, but he takes on here Nanito Denaire, who obviously we cannot overlook at all, as you said there, I as a four-weight world champion. Nanito Denaire was on the R2016 Christmas podcast. Um, we had him on the show probably for about half an hour to 45 minutes, a real in-depth interview with him from you know his amateur days all the way up until, uh, until his recent fight at the time. He's had a couple of fight since then it's, it's really hard with Denier I think he's had motivational issues and he did say it to me that he just relied on his left hook to win him fights all the time and you know time's gone on since then uh, I think he's had a couple of wins and like I say it's, it's, it's hard to really gauge where he's at at the moment he's going to be traveling here you know probably the furthest he's traveled from uh, you know from from well, certainly for the last for the last few years, I know he's now based in in the U.S., but it'll be the longest he's travelled. He's had to travel in terms of distance for quite a while. Will he be, you know, will he be motivated for that? Will he will he just kind of treat this as a bit of a cash out fight? You know, it's a huge huge name first and foremost. And credit to Frank Warren and the team and BT Sport for you know coming up with the money to get him over because it's amazing amazing stuff for Belfast, but. It's a very, very hard fight to call. And I mean, if we're looking at Carl Frampton's last performance, he looked terrible. And I think Nanito Denaire could possibly stop him or beat him widely on points. But then again, was that just a really bad performance from Carl Frampton there? Um, or, or, or is he just slipping a little bit? You know, we don't quite know. Those fights with Leo Santa Cruz, did they take a bit of a toll on Carl Frampton? We're not quite sure. One thing that I will say, obviously we all know that Frampton picked his last opponent and his training team weren't too happy with it. Well, hopefully he hasn't picked Nanito Denaire because that really could be a disaster. Um, stylistically, I mean, obviously Denaire's not 
you know, he's not he's not a natural featherweight. He's not a, a really big guy. Neither's Frampton. I think Frampton's problem is he seems to take on a lot of guys that are naturally bigger than him. Obviously, he's quite small for the weight, in my opinion. And I think that that's where he can come unstuck a little bit. Somebody who's got the reach and the long jab and can move well gives him trouble. And that's what we saw with Leo Santa Cruz. And to some kind of extent, that's what we saw in his last fight. Um, Nanito Denier, I mean, like I say, the experience that that man's got is is just amazing. He really knows what he's doing, and it's a hard, hard, hard fight to pick. And to be honest, Diaz, I'm going to side with Nanito Denier to beat him. I really am. Well, how do you see that one? Frampton Denier, and you're going with Denier. Oh, I'm going to go with Frampton. I think, um, obviously, Denier's coming to the near uh, end of his career, and um, I think... I think Frampton, I think he's in a new fight, and I reckon Frampton will beat Denner. I reckon Frampton will beat him on points and go on to win big fights. And But to be honest, this is actually a big fight, Denner. Two years ago, Scott Quigg wanted to fight Nonito Denner. That fell through. Now Frampton's fighting him. I'm just looking at, at Nonito's record now, and he's had one fight since we since we spoke in December of 2016, and that one was in um, was in September of 2017. So about nine months after we spoke, he won a fight against Ruben Hernandez, and he basically dominated him, almost shut him out. He shut him out on one card and almost shut him out on the other the other two cards. It was for the WBC vacant silver featherweight title. Um, you know, the guy he beat, I suppose, wasn't really too much of of a big name fight or anything like that. He lost the fight to Randy Caballero, the guy. He's only a young guy as well, looking at his record. I haven't really heard of him, to be honest, Ruben Hernandez. But anyways, um, you're right. I think that Nanito is coming down to the tail end of his career, but... I, I don't know about Frampton, man. I mean, I know he had some stuff going on outside the ring in his last fight and stuff, but he, he was so... Uh, what's the word? He was so lackluster. He was so under-impressive that, for me, I, I just don't know. I don't know if, if we've seen the best of Carl Frampton already. I don't know. I think he's a tough, tough, tough guy, and I don't think Nanito's going to be able to stop him, but I can see a Nanito points win, to be honest. And, I mean, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong, but... I believe that Nanito definitely has got the skills to beat Frampton. It's just a case of can he roll back the clock a little bit. Not so much. He doesn't need to roll back the clock to six, seven years ago when Nanito was pound for pound number one or two. Um, I think really he just needs to go back in time just one or two, maybe even maybe two, three years. And I think that version of Nanito Denier absolutely you know, absolutely beats Frampton easy going on Frampton's current form. But like I say, it could have been because he picked that opponent. It could have been because he's got so much stuff going on outside of the ring. So I'm going to give Frampton a little bit of a pass on his last fight there. At the end of the day, he got the win. But um, I, I don't know. I think Nanito Denier, that's a hard fight. And I'm quite surprised because I really thought that the big fight at the end of it all was going to be Carl Frampton taking on the winner of Lee Selby and Josh Warrington. And then he'd face one of those guys for a world title, arguably... They'd be easier fights, arguably. I'm not saying that's 100%, but some people would say Lee Selby's not as good as Nanito Denier. Some people would say that Josh Warrington's not as good as Nanito Denier. So he's having this fight with Nanito Denier for no belt. So if he loses this, then I don't think the fight gets made with the winner of Warrington and Selby. And just for the record, I think Lee Selby is going to beat Warrington, and I think Lee Selby would beat Frampton as well. That's actually what I'm going on. But anyways, those fights are to be spoken and broken up about a little bit closer to the time when or if they get made. Is that it for the news, Ayas? Yes, that's it for the news. Okay, okay. There's one or two last little things to say. Um, I, I put a tweet up on Twitter the other day just saying that... Um, that obviously Amir Khan's now signed with Eddie Hearn, but he will be fighting at 147. Brook is about to make his debut at 154, the the junior uh, middleweight category, or also known as the super welterweight category. And obviously he's taking on Rabchenko. And I asked the the people on Twitter, is the Brook versus Khan fight closer to happening than ever, or is it further from happening than ever? What I mean when I say that is Eddie Hearn, we saw him sign Luis Ortiz and it seemed like he kind of signed him to keep him away from Joshua at the time. That's the way I saw it, okay? That was the way I saw it. And I think that only recently Eddie Hearn's kind of changed to, okay, we you know we want to fight these guys, we want to fight these guys. But all along, I don't think he really fancied the Ortiz fight. That's just my opinion. Again, I could be wrong. And I think that as much as the Khan-Brook fight would be such a great fight, 
But let's have it right. The fight should have happened a long, long time ago. Whether it's Khan who don't want it or Brook who don't want it, I reckon it's Khan, and I don't know why. I really don't know why. But anyways, if Khan says to his promoter now, Eddie Hearn, look, I don't really fancy that fight, Eddie. That's it. Eddie Hearn's not going to come out and say, yeah, by the way, Khan don't fancy that fight. That's it. He's already come out before and said that, by the way. But he will not say that now. So I know what's happened here. Eddie Hearn has spoke to both guys and said, look, you're both with Matram now. The fight can be easily made. Do you want it? And one of them has, has definitely said yes. That would be Brooke, I believe. Even though from what I've heard, you know, Eddie Hearn talk about Brooke. Brooke's kind of been turning around saying, ah, well, I've heard all this before. The fight's going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. It seems like Brooke's giving up on it. Amir Khan, he's talking about the fight again. And he always kind of talks about it. But he doesn't really get in deep detail on it. If Amir Khan doesn't want the fight, the fight will not happen. It's as simple as that, really. Um, I hope it does happen, but I think that, it, again, it can go both ways. That's why I asked the question, just to see what people think. I reckon it can easily be made or it can easily be put off. We've had a reply from Ricey, again, avid listener of the show. He says that it will be done too late, just like Mayweather versus Pacquiao. They will try and build it up for money purposes, but the fighters won't be at their best. I completely agree. I think we've already reached that period. I think Amir Khan's over the hill. I think we all probably agree on that. You know, his his days of beating the likes of of, uh, of of Marcos Maidana are very much a long time ago now, a distant memory. Kel Brook, you know, lately when he takes punches under either eye, he's in big, big trouble and needs to be pulled out of the fight. So, yeah, it's a shame the fight didn't happen years ago. And I think that really and truly... Um, the boat has kind of sailed for that one, really. Um, I'd still like to see it happen just because I like both guys and I would, I'd love to see some kind of ending to that chapter. It all started when they were getting in each other's face on ringside all those years ago and there hasn't really been any kind of final to it. Um, also, somebody, uh, I shouldn't say somebody, another listener, another guy that, that tweeted in recently as well. I remember Nathan Moose. I think I'm saying that. You've got to correct me, Nathan, if you're listening. Nathan Moose. He sends in um, a tweet here. He said, I've give up on it. It's as simple as that. I've give up on it. And to be honest, I think many people have. Um, just before we wrap up, the the discussion here and bring in guest number two um we've just had a tweet on twitter come through right now this one's from ricey once again a man that seems to be keeping the show alive this week he sends in because i've asked a tweet on twitter saying um who should amir khan fight on april the 21st get your opinions in realistic long layoff and coming off of a brutal knockout um again i said that there was a few sent in earlier there's one sent in here and he's lucky that he's sent in just in time as we're about to wrap up the show he says mohammed mamoon he beat eggington but don't think he would be good enough to beat Khan. Good warm-up for a bigger fight. What's your thoughts on that one, Ayaz? Mamoon against uh, against against Khan. Obviously, Mamoon. I think he still holds that that um, that EBU title at one four seven that he took away from Sam Eggington. I think that's. I think that's a very. I, to be honest, I think that's a very good fight actually. Um, but I still think uh, obviously Khan's a bigger name. Obviously, we know Khan's speed and that. I just. I reckon it'll be too. I reckon it'll be easy, nice and easy warm-up fight. I reckon Khan's just stop him. Yeah, I mean, when you look down, I'm just looking at Mamoon's record now. When you look down his record again, he hasn't really got the names there. He's took a couple of guys' O's, but he hasn't really got the names there. I mean, you look at it, and to be honest, I don't really recognize anyone on there apart from... Um, he's took on Alexandre Lapelle. I know him. I'm not quite sure why. And he took on, obviously, Sam Eggington, in which he... You know, the, the fight was close on the scorecards. Can't really remember watching... I mean, I definitely watched it, but I can't remember if it was close or not. But yeah, I think that's a good fight. Both men the same age. Obviously, Mamoon would be putting his EBU title on the line. But I've just seen that he's actually fighting in about nine days' time. He's fighting a guy who's 21-0 and 0 called Emiliano Rodriguez. So maybe we will have to write that out there. Um, it's going to be for the vacant IBO World Super Lightweight title. So yeah, he fancies that. I'm sure, instead of Amir Khan. So all the very best to Mohamed Mamoun. Thanks once again, Ricey, for keeping the podcast alive once again. I'm sure you've done it a couple times before. Anyways, that really is it for all the talking we've done, the reviewing. We did the news. We did the previewing. There wasn't too much to talk about. We did the few little discussions that we've that we've asked the listeners about on Twitter and helped us out with. It's now time to welcome, just before we wrap up the show, our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBO European, Intercontinental, English and IBO International Champion, Mr. Ben Jones. Ben, welcome to the show. Say hello, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good. 
Yeah, it's, it's my pleasure getting you on, Ben. So we last spoke Thank back you. in February 2016, almost two whole years. Wow. Um, I'm going to ask you the first question here, Ben. Be honest here. Do yeah. you remember coming on before? I do remember. You must have a good memory. Yeah, that is an honest thing. Yeah, I do remember. It wasn't that long. <laughs> Two years. It's, it's, uh, I still remember that, yes. Excellent. I'm pleased about that. I hope you're not just... I don't nervous. get punched out. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think I think at that time it was just before your fight against El Amir Raphael. Now, you knocked him out in the first round. And I know that since then, things have been a little bit stop-start, really. You've had three fights since that one. A bizarre no contest in April 2016. A shutout oh, point yeah. win. A shutout points win in November 2016 and a split decision defeat most recently to Jason Cunningham for the Commonwealth title back in uh, April 2017. Now, I'm sure that you'll agree that things haven't really been too perfect since we last spoke. However, they may all be about to change. But first, Ben, just just talk just talk me through those those three fights there. I haven't seen any footage of the no contest fight. What happened there, mate? No contest fight. It's a real shame. Um, the guy was um, he's from Mexico. He's a puncher, so it was a nice one to to sort of have on record. His record was good at the time. Um, I uh, went out on, on to the fight to, with, with uh, you know great preparation. I think it was great. Clearly, and winning very convincingly. To a point there, I thought we're going to get him. We're going to get him out there. You know, sort of before. Before the second half of the fight, and he'd come up with a car. Um, they said it was a must have been a clash of heads and what have you. Annoyingly, they called it off um, about a minute before the the end of the fourth round, I think it was, and um, it was classed as a no contest. So a real real bummer. Well, and he needed to go to that next round, and it would have gone points and. Not always an ideal way to win, but it's better than a no contest, like you know. Yeah, no, of course, of course, and um, obviously that that loss there to Jason Cunningham was was obviously a really close fight. Did you believe that you edged it on the night, or did the right man win for you? I'm I'm telling you, I won that fight. There's I. It was a massive, massive shock to me. That I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. He was a nice, tidy boxer, and he he was good. He started well, which is great, as he as he did for uh, Reese Bullock. He started well, and um, then it was my fight. I took, I took over. Um, don't get me wrong, I didn't win on points by loads and loads of rounds. My my um, disappointment was I couldn't get him out of there. He um, he, he was sharp enough to move, and uh, it's a good little fighter, but he's. Um, um, it's shame, as, is, as I said, it was a split decision. The two judges that went for him were from his area. The judge that went for me was from London. <laughs> Here you go. Boxing's politics. One of them things, I'm afraid. And obviously, um, you know, getting on to your upcoming fight, you'll be taking on Reese Bellotti, like we just mentioned there. This one's for the vacant right. Commonwealth title on February the 3rd. One thing that you both have in common, as we both know, of course, is that your your last opponent, each of you, you both took on the same man, as we said, Jason Cunningham. That's right. A fight, yes, that, a fight that you lost on a split decision, which was quite controversial. Reese Bellotti knocked him out in the sixth round back in October at he York did. Hall. A fantastic fight that I was ringside for, actually. Really good fight. Yeah. Um, First things first, Ben. You've boxed really. I was looking at your at your record. You've boxed in a random set of venues in and around London and other parts. This fight happening, obviously, arguably at the best venue in London, the O2 Arena, is definitely going to be the biggest crowd you've boxed in front of. How excited are, are you for that? Yeah, it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic thing for me. It's great for great for my fans and stuff as well. It'd be nice to. Um... Can't do the business in in uh, in a great stadium. So yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And the man in the other corner, Reese Bellotti, doing all the right cool. things so far. Hasn't put a foot wrong. Eleven and zero with ten knockouts. Nah, you're right. What do you know about him? Ben? Oh, no, he's, a, oh, no, he's a great little fighter. Um, he's uh, he's obviously done very well on, on the stoppage side of things as well. Um, he's fought quite a, quite a few people. I thought as well, um, Jamie Spites and and uh, obviously uh, Jason Cunningham. Um, yeah, I've I've watched him. I've watched him enough. Um, I don't want to go overboard with it. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. He he's no mug. He's a good fighter. He's a good fighter. And the nice thing is, I'm coming into this fight as the underdog, which is great. I like that. 
And I like to, here and there, pull a juicy fact out of the bag, and I'm going to do it here. Reese Bellotti, like I say, 11-0, but only three of his opponents have had winning records. And funny enough, you fought two of them. Obviously, Jason Cunningham, which I hate to keep mentioning. You know, he went the distance with you. He stopped him. But also, if you look a bit closer on the record, Jamie Spate, uh, last year, Bellotti knocked him out in eight rounds. You, you knocked him out when it was, to be honest, a much fresher version of Jamie Spate. You knocked him out in six rounds back in 20. 2012. Is Reese Bellotti a tiny bit overrated in your opinion, Ben? Um, I don't. We see. That's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to say um, he's overrated. It could be. It could be an amazing fighter. Let's talk. We'll talk afterwards on that. But I believe that. I believe that he's going to have a very, very difficult fight, and he'll see see a whole different game when it comes uh, when it comes to fight now. So there we go. That's that's what I think. And I haven't really heard many people speaking about this fight, you know, in the in the mainstream of things on social media and stuff like that. But to me, this is clearly another step up for Reese Bellotti. It's, it's going to be a really good fight. This is one I'm really looking forward to. There's a couple of fights on that bill that that I really yeah. like. I mean, your one, I like the Ted Cheeseman fight against Carson Jones yeah, in the main yeah. event, the main of the main event as well. Um, just also, obviously, while you're fighting at featherweight, I just want to quickly touch on, you know, what, what you're making of the world scene. Your old foe, Lee Selby, still world champion. It's looking yeah. like he'll be fighting Josh sure. Warrington next. Who wins that fight? Yeah. And will the winner beat Frampton, in your opinion? Oh, that's difficult what you just said. Um, the last bit. I believe that Lee Selby will be Josh, Josh Warrington. Lee Selby is a very awkward, long, tidy fighter. And unless you've, in my eyes, got serious power and a great work rate, which Josh Warrington's got a great work rate, he's got to have the power as well. And I think it's um, a battle of wits that I believe that Lee Selby's there. That's my opinion. That's, that's no nothing against either of them. Um, Cole Frampton, uh, a, uh, a foe of mine. I've sparred millions and millions of rounds with, with Cole. Um, great fighter. Great timing. Very, very talented fighter. His timing is one of the things you can look at him and look you know, really carefully, but you, you don't realise how good his timing is. That'll be a cracking fight, him and Lee Selby, and I'm going to sit on the fence with that. We'll let you do that. We'll let you do that. Also, Ben, is there any other upcoming fights that you want to give your opinion on? Any interest in the main event of your bill, Chamberlain and Akoli? I, I think it's a cracking fight. That's one thing I will say. Like, like you've just said, the, and the, like I said, the Ted Cheeseman one. What a cracking fight for him. That's a real good step up. And if you've got uh, a good Carson Jones, which they've given plenty of notice, it's going to be tough. So both of them, I think they're, going to, they're cracking fights. And it's showing, it's showing that because um, people are selling out the DO2 for it, you know. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, they're both cracking fights. And, and uh, I believe my one, my one the same, you know. Uh, again, the mix of styles between me and Reese Bellotti, it's fantastic. You know, it's what, what they're going to, now two people that, that can both punch and both people can, uh, can box both ways of a box and a back foot, back foot, box going forward. So, it's, it's an interesting one on, on every in every move, I think. So it'll be a good boxing night, I believe. And is there any other fights, like I say, that you want to give your opinion on? I know that one just got made today between um, Carl Frampton and Nanito Donaire. It's going to be happening in, in Belfast in, in, a, in, a, in a few weeks' time. What's your thoughts on that one or any others? To, to me, on that one, um, I think that's a, that's a very good move for, for Carl. I do. Um, Denita uh, Donaire, fantastic, absolutely brilliant champion over the years, many weights as well, great fighter. I think if you ask me, Frampton's can punch far too hard for him. And uh, as I was talking about, the timing's there. The timing's good with him. And um, I do believe that Donaire's shame, but he's coming to the, to the later end of his career where he was so fast and so quick. He slowed down and he's going to take some of them big shots from Franzen. I think it's a little bit too much for him. We certainly hope you're right on that one. And just before I let you go, no, I think so. just before I let you go, Ben, anything that you want to say at all to anybody that may be listening, anything at all, take it away. All I'd like to say is come and support, come to CO2, get me on uh, Twitter, at Ben Jones Boxing, come buy some tickets and uh, enjoy the night. It's going to be a great night of boxing. 
Absolutely well said. All right, listen, Ben, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for your time. Thank Best you of luck much. for the third, and we'll catch up sometime No, I appreciate after. it. Thank you very much. Just for the call as well. Thank you. Okay, and this wraps up episode 117 of the Box Hard Podcast. A big thank you to our two guests, the truly sensational Mikey Garcia and the brutally and honest all-round good guy, Mr. Ben Jones. I was looking at our previous podcast, and this show means that we've had four current or former world champions in our last four shows. When other podcasts are taking breaks over the Christmas and New Year's period, we are not. And the reason for that is because... We do not take breaks. We really do possess the the podcast spirit. These these other podcasts are not in the league of the Box Hard podcast. To have a good podcast, you need to have the Warriors code. We certainly have it. Thank you so much for listening once again, and we will see you next week.